but today is Father's Day. Austin, do you know what day this is? Okay, all right. So I hope you've thought about that. I hope that, uh, you know, Wes talks about his dad, and I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, Wes had a dad that was a minister, still is, still ministering to this day for years and years and years, probably 50-plus years. And, uh, you know, that's a blessing to have a, a father that uh, understands God. But I didn't grow up with a dad like that. My dad was 72 years old before he got baptized into Christ. So I had a different experience than that, and I think that uh, some of the things I learned from my dad were really good, and some weren't, but the uh, bottom line is I know he loved me, I know he cared about me, but my dad had a, a way of thinking that I think many, many dads do. I think sometimes we struggle with our priorities, and I, I think oftentimes my dad uh, thought about it like this that he needed to go and work hard and, and take care of us and make a living for our family. And he did that. He worked in a lumber yard. Before that, he was a farmer. And so he was a hard-working man. But sometimes in that situation, people can forget that that's not all there is uh, to being a dad. Sometimes we get mixed up about it. We should work hard. You're called to take care of your family. That's absolutely true and right. But you're also, as fathers, called to do a lot more than that. I think it's illustrated very clearly here by this quote. After the assassination of President Kennedy, his young, his young son, John Jr., asked William Hayden, an associate of JFK's, Are you a daddy? Hayden told him that he was. In response, little John Jr. said, then will you throw me up in the air? Think about that. You know, he's missing his dad. What is he missing? He wasn't missing the President of the United States. He wasn't thinking about that. You can't get much more important job than that. But what was he missing? He was missing his dad being there, being with him caring about him, taking care of him, and loving him. You know, one of the things that men like to do, that sometimes we do, is we get caught up with, with things we enjoy. You know, it might be golf, it might be hunting, it might be fishing, it, it might be playing tennis, or whatever it might be. And we get caught up in that, and, and we think, well, you know, that's a priority in our life. And, and that is fine. We're going to talk about this, but today I want to talk about fishing. Okay, so let's turn over to Luke 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, So it was, as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gezeneret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night 
and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will, be, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. This, this is a, a, a fishing story. How many, of you, how many of you men ever told a fishing story? How many of you could beat this fishing story? Couldn't really beat this one, could you? Primarily because it's true and yours usually aren't. <laughs> but that, that, that's, that's the deal. That, that Jesus taught some things through these passages. So following Jesus changes our priority system. We don't always have the right priority system, but Jesus will change it. The change that Jesus brings requires you to make a choice, however. You have to make a choice. Look at these, these uh, first few passages here. It says, when, we had stopped, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. <coughs> See, change is a, is a choice that you have to make. Simon had to change his mind about some things right there in that passage. He had to, he had to decide who he's going to listen to. And oftentimes change is an uncomfortable thing. It involves risks. It involves doing something that doesn't seem to make sense sometimes to do that. As fathers, we need to realize that. We, like I say, we can get so caught up in our priorities that we think, well, it's about making a living and that's it. And we think if we're doing that, we're doing enough. But we have to make a choice to realize that that's not enough. That you're a dad. And that these kids are, are looking up to you. This past uh, week, we've had our grandkids here. And uh, I, it, it dawned on me, especially yesterday, as we took three boys to the barber shop to get their Uncle Terry a haircut, that, that it was, it's interesting to spend time with them and talk with them and to hear the questions they have. <coughs> Yesterday we were working on the swamp cooler, and uh, Bodie, it wasn't enough just to work on the swamp cooler. He had to ask a bunch of questions about the swamp cooler. So I had to explain to him everything about how a swamp cooler works. And, you know, that's a little bit technical. You have to explain the idea of evaporation and heat exchange and all that kind of stuff. See, he's asking questions. And, and uh, he, he sat down and told us uh, what he learned in one day. And he had a list of a whole bunch of things. But he also said that he learned that he could build a bridge to Hawaii. Okay. Now... Me and him the day before had had a little discussion about this. Me being the kind of guy I am, I'm saying, no, you can't build a bridge to Hawaii. And so he tries to explain to me how he's going to do it, and I said, that's not going to work. And so Bodhi says, well, you can do everything with God's help. 
God's name. Well, the sad part is, to be honest, I even argued about that. I said, Bodie, you're not, you're not, you're not God. But I've had some time to think about it, and that's the way kids are, see. That, so you've got to make some choices in life about, and what I'm driving at here is you have to make a choice of who are you going to listen to? Dads? Who are you going to listen to? Who, who, who is it that's going to impact you? Are you listening to your culture that's telling you this is right and wrong? Are you listening to, to your friends that maybe have led you in the wrong direction? And I can think about my times out in the wilderness before I became a Christian and how my friends led me along, along a lot of dead-end paths because I was willing to listen to them. Or are you going to listen to God? And so Jesus makes this comment to Peter. He says, go out into the deep and let down your nets. And, and Peter had to make a decision right then. Peter was a fisherman. And, and Peter even begins this week. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. See, what he's going to say is, I'm a, what he could have said is, I'm a fisherman. I know more about fishing than you do, Jesus. And he'd been wrong. Jesus understood how to fish for what he was really out to catch, right? Men. But he, he, he could have said that, and the tendency would say that. But then he said, nothing, excuse me, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Notice what he says. At your word. He had to decide who am I going to listen to? Whose word am I going to trust? And so you need to think about that, fathers. Whose word are you trusting? Who are you listening to when it comes to your family, when it comes to the things that really matter, what really makes a difference? Are you listening to God? Or are you listening to Fox News? Or better, even worse, CNN. <laughs> Who are you listening to? Because we need to be listening to God. See, it takes commitment to follow God. And so, even though I think in his mind he's thinking, well, this is pointless, he did it because the Lord said so. Sometimes we catch ourselves in that trap, don't we? We think our ways is better than God. God knows better than us. And so we find ourselves in a situation that we really don't like being in because God's ways are always best every time. Jesus knows what's best for every father in here, and he knows what's best for your kids as well. And so we can't get caught up in that trap. We've got to decide who are we going to listen to, who are we going to obey. And we find out this, uh, what to do and, and how to pursue it. We find these things out. By listening to God's word. <coughs> In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word opens up our heart. God's word instructs our heart. God's word helps us, helps us know what to do. And so here's the real question. 
that you always have to answer. How often do you know something? You know what's best. You, you know what's right, but you choose to do something different. Dad, you've got to answer that question. And I have to answer that question too. And I realize there's been times where I've done that very thing. I've chose to do the wrong thing. Maybe I wasn't patient. Patient with a kid that wants to build a bridge to Hawaii. That took a lot of patience for me, you see. And so your grandkids teach you things. And being an older guy, I look back and I think about opportunities I missed with my kids. So I guess what I'm talking to you about today is don't do that. If you have opportunity, do what's right. Do what God calls you to do. See, Peter was a fisherman, and so are many of the men here today. I'm not. I, I don't. I'm good for 20 minutes. If I don't catch a fish, I'm on my way home. I don't, I don't consider myself to be a fisherman because a fisherman is persistent. And it's necessary to be persistent. You've got to keep casting and you've got to keep reeling it in and you've got to keep trying. And that's what it is about raising kids. You've got to keep doing the right things even when you don't feel like it. And eventually, you catch a fish. Eventually, you influence a child. Eventually, you change the world because you were a good dad and because you were faithful to God. <coughs> a fishing trip can change your life, especially if it's worth your dad, with your dad. You know, I can think about my dad, and, and uh, he, he took us, me fishing one time that I remember. We went a few times, but not very much. Didn't spend a lot of time with my dad. Really didn't. Uh, he was busy. He had things to do. But we went fishing, me and my dad and the neighbor, and we went to Horseshoe Lake in Colorado. I still remember the name of the lake. I remember the day. I remember it was cloudy. I remember we got rained on a little bit. And I remember that that was one of the best days of my life. See, it matters if you spend time with your kids. It matters. And the effective father, Gordon MacDonald, writes, it is said of Boswell, the famous biographer of Samuel Johnson, and I don't expect you to know Boswell or Samuel Johnson. They lived in 1700s. <coughs> but I want you to listen to this illustration. That... that he often referred, Boswell often referred to a special day in his childhood when his father and father took him fishing. The day was fixed in his mind, and he often reflected upon many things his father had taught him in the course of their fishing experience together. After having heard of that particular excursion so often, it occurred to someone much later, to check the journal that Boswell's father kept and determine what had been said about the fishing trip from the parental perspective. Turning to that date, the reader found only one sentence entered, gone fishing today with my son, a day wasted. Okay. Do you, do you see the perspective here? To, to the dad, I have more important things to do. This is He, he was... You know, hard-working man, famous person. He had things to take care of. 
But to the son, what did it mean? He talked about it for years. And you know, the point of this is, is that Boswell's dad's approach had, had, had been a good one. Boswell wouldn't have turned out the way he did. Because Boswell, by all accounts, was an immoral man. You can check it out. Get on there. Google it. Do whatever you do. Check it out. Read about his life. He did, he did some famous things. He wrote this biography of a famous man, and he's noticed for that. But he didn't influence his son. If he'd have spent more time with him fishing, it might have helped. Do you see that? Listen to this example. A young, successful attorney said, the greatest gift I ever received was a gift I got one Christmas when my dad gave me a small box. Inside was a note saying, son, this year I will give you 365 hours, an hour every day after dinner. It's yours. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. We'll go where you want to go. Play what you want to, want to play, and it will be your hour. My dad did not only keep his promise, he said, but every year he renewed it. It's the greatest gift I ever had in my life. I'm a result of this time. See, spending time with your kids matters. You know, I, I picked on you. I said golf, and I said, I said fishing, and I said hunting, and all those things that men do. That's great. Take your kids. Take your kids along. You know, people have often asked me, well, what's your hobby, Larry? And you know what I said? The church. The church is my hobby. And I tell you this, I took my kids with me to church stuff, to Sunday mornings, to Bible studies. I took them to work parties. I took, we went and did things with the church. We took them calling. We did all kinds of things. That's one thing I did right. We went to camp. I was at every camp my kids were at, pretty much, as they grew up. That's the one thing I did. There's other things I should have done. But I'm telling you, if you want your kids to grow up to serve God, then you better show them God. You can't just talk to them about God. You can't just talk to them about fishing. How's a kid learn to fish if you just talk about it? How does a kid learn to love God if you just talk about it at home? Or not at home at all? you got to show them. And that's the challenge, isn't it? But oftentimes we find ourselves too busy. We have our priorities messed up. And that can happen to the people in the church too. You know, even church can get too busy. You ever heard of preacher's kids? Yeah, even church can get too busy, do you see? But spend time with your kids. Second point I want to make today is that the change Jesus brings teaches us that sometimes we need to ask for help. Men, you need to ask for help. Next time you get lost, ask for help. I know it's against your religion. I know it's against everything you stand up for. Ask for help. When you go to the store, you can't find what you're looking for. Maybe you need to stop and ask for help. No, we'll find it eventually. Right? I know how you are because I'm the same exact way. We're, we're, that's, we're, that's how we are. We think it's, it's Maranatha to ask for help. You never want to 
that's not correct. You don't want to ask for help. Maranathis, come Lord Jesus, yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's who you need to be asking for help. Right there, that's it. That was, that was of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. That's who we need to ask. That's who we need to talk to because we're going to get to that. And so we look at verse 6 here. It says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. See, he was in a situation that he couldn't handle. He was, it was, he was blessed so much by God that he couldn't do it. See, how much of a blessing are your children? Sometimes you've got to ask for help. Sometimes you're blessed and, and you lose sight of it. Sometimes we become impatient and we forget what's best. And we don't do it. And we need to understand that God has supplied us help. He's supplied us the body of Christ. He supplied us the men in this church. Many of you, I look at you and I think, man, what, what great dads. What, what an example to me. That have been my, uh, my mentors who have taught me so much. I've seen you watch how you relate to your children. And I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful to know you. See, but sometimes we just get hung up on ourselves. We don't want to ask for the help we need. We need to realize that when we ask for our other men to mentor us, to help us, to, to correct us, to help us to stay on the right track, that's the right thing to do. See, dads, uh, we need help to do what we need to do sometimes. And that help comes from other men oftentimes. There's many people that mentor us, that, that correct us and help us. Uh, other men, our wives, our wives keep us on track oftentimes. Amen, men? Yeah, you better say amen. <laughs> or women, isn't that? You say amen. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Okay, because that's correct. They help us, they keep us on track. That's all there is to it. There's times where, where my wife straightens me up. She tried to straighten me up about this bridge to Hawaii thing, but I wasn't going to listen to her either. <laughs> That's how we are, see. We're stubborn, and we don't listen sometimes. But if you can learn one thing, learn that we need help. It's not a sin to talk to another man and get some advice in, in a situation. It's not a sin to... to to seek help from the church. It's not a sin to do that. That's what we're called to do. That's what it's about. The third thing that I think I see here in this passage is, I don't think I see it, I do see it, is the change Jesus brings will lead you to a higher calling. See, it's a high calling to be a dad. It's higher calling than being successful at work. Do you, do you believe that? Do you, do you understand that? that? That that's the most important thing? How, 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 would you, how is it going to be uh, if we don't lead our kids to Christ? How hurtful is that? How difficult is that to accept? You know, you might be able to buy them everything. But if you can't show them Jesus, then we kind of miss the boat. 
So Jesus is calling us to something higher. You know, and as I go through this, I see things I made mistakes. Maybe you see things you made mistakes. Well, that's the point. You can change that. You can be different. You can spend time with your kids. You can, you can pay more attention. You can do something different as you, as you think about it. And so this, this, is, this is really the point that's being made. If we look here starting in verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He recognized his sin. He recognized the need to be different. He worshiped before Jesus. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the one that takes away all this guilt stuff. He's the one that shows us how to live and how to, how to walk. And he's the one that we honor because he's the one that opens the door to eternal life. Help your kids to understand this. And so he worshiped Jesus, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Matthew says, and I will make you fishers of men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed Jesus. They were called to something bigger than just being fishermen. They were called to being disciple makers. They were called to change the world that they lived in. And so if you look at a progression here, you can see a progression that takes place. First thing is they were partners in a fishing business. They were partners in a fishing business. That involved a lot of work. Because it's pointed out that they had toiled all night long without catching anything. They'd worked very, very hard. And so sometimes they had success and sometimes they had failure. Some, some fish were caught and some were not. And their motive was they did it for money. Then here comes Jesus. And they become partners with him. Now they were partners with Jesus. And they became fishers of men. That involved a lot of work too. You know, if you don't think being a Christian has work involved, then maybe you need to get more involved. Men, there's work to be done. There's people to visit. There's, there's calls to be made. There's, there's work to be done around the church. There's work around the world. There's a, there's a worldwide mission. We're not just about PV. We're about this world we live in, about changing it. And there's tasks to be done. And that involves work. And it's hard work sometimes. And you know what? If you get involved in people's lives, sometimes there's successes and sometimes there's failures. Sometimes people listen. And they accept Christ, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they, they, in the process, you get hurt a little bit. And it's the same way with the fishing business. Some fish are caught, and some aren't. Some men listen, and some don't. But they eventually came to do this job with a motive of love. They did it because they loved God. And they did it because they love people. And we can change and be better fathers because we love God. And we love our children 
And we can stop and think and take a breath and realize, hey, maybe there's some things that are messed up in my life. See, when priorities change, we, we maybe take some scriptures to heart that sometimes we just read it and it goes in one ear and out the other. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. <coughs> that verse is something you hear in churches all the time. To train up a child in the way that they should go. And what does that mean, to train up a child? What's involved with that? Is, there, is that just a simple thing? Or is there something that's difficult that might come into play here that we need to get a hold of if we're going to raise children to, to do the right things, to accomplish what really matters? In Hebrews 12, 7 through 11, it, it talks about this idea of, of raising up a child in the way that they should go. And what's involved with discipline? talks about first discipline for us. It says, if you endure ch chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? You know, sometimes when God tweaks us up and we're, we're being knocked around a little bit and we have to change our life, we, we get a little worked up about this. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. In other words, if you man, have you ever been on a sports team? How many have ever been on a sports team? How many ever had a coach get in your face and tell you, you know, you need to do better, you need to straighten up? Well, you know, if the coach doesn't get in your face, if he doesn't ever tell you to change, then he don't care if you're on the sports team. Have you ever thought about that? He doesn't have an interest in you, then he won't chasten you. That's exactly what this is saying. God has an interest in us. He teaches us stuff. He shows us different ways to go. And if he's not, maybe you need to get back in the game a little bit. Here's the, then it goes on. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as it seemed best to them, but we, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And there's that word again, that train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he shall not depart from it. We're trained by the discipline of our fathers. It's It's... It's a fact that most of us, if we think about it, our dad spent some time disciplining us. Is there anybody here that your dad never disciplined? I hope, I hope not. Matter of fact, I mean, I mean, most kids have always heard this. You wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> you ever heard that one? See, dad, they, they discipline us. But what does it mean to train up? It's a, it's a Hebrew word. It means to make experience, to make submissive. And we're not trying to make children submissive to us. We're trying to make children submissive to God. Do you, do you, do you realize the difference? Do you see that that's a big difference? To learn to obey God, to follow God. Matter of fact, in Ephesians 6, 4, we're warned about this. 
And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So we're called as fathers to obey God, to do it His way, not to get carried away, not to overdo it, not to tell somebody they can't build a bridge to Hawaii, but accept that you should let a kid have an imagination, which it is imagination, by the way. <laughs> Don't always have to have the last word, right? <laughs> you don't have to have the last word. Well, maybe. <laughs> so the point being, realize your time is precious to a child. It's precious to them. So cha the change that Jesus brings requires us to make a choice. Are we going to listen to him or not, dads? If we listen to him, you're going to learn some things. First, you can't do fatherhood alone. You need God, and you need the support of others to help you. And secondly, su successful fathers will bring about a change. To be a successful father will bring about a change in your time priorities and how you think and what you do. So let's stand. We're going to sing our invitation song. If there's a decision to be made, we'd ask you to step out. Just going to sing one verse, so if there's a decision, this is the time to come. If you need prayer, you need to place membership, you need to become a Christian, whatever it might be, just uh, this is the time to do that.